Hey everyone, I'm Connor. And I'm Jeff. And this is the Sad Boy Sessions, Emotional Identity in Christ. Hey, thanks for joining us. This is our second episode. A couple weeks ago was the first one. We discussed sadness and how we see that manifesting itself in our lives over short term and and historically over our lives. Ultimately, we we want this to be a podcast that is rooted in Jesus Christ and I guess it can be tailored to believers, but doesn't necessarily have to be. But we as self-proclaimed sad boys are in theory in tune with our emotions. And we think it's a good thing to be in tune with your emotions. And particularly if you're a guy and it's just the world will tell you otherwise. So here we are. Episode two. Last time we talked about sadness. This time we're talking about anger. Which is really like sadness's little cousin, isn't it? It is. Yeah, it's it's for sure related. Or bigger. I don't know. I guess it depends on the individual. What does Yoda say? Which comes first, anger, sadness? Sadness leads to anger. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that sounds right. It does sound right, but I've also very much had it where anger leads to sadness. Yoda may have been wrong. Well, I don't want to speak ill of the man we can go on a whole different <laughs> route tonight <laughs> the, the all right remix we're talking about star wars for an hour and a half <laughs> yeah we we want to talk about every episode it's going to be a different emotion will be the topic and then if it's a negative emotion we want to lift it up at the end and see what does scripture have to say about that emotion where what kind of hope does it give so this time we're talking about anger let me start off by asking you this jeff over the past couple weeks, when and where have you seen anger manifest itself in your life? I think I think this is actually I don't want to say sad, but there is there is truth to the fact that um, I have recently delved more deeply back into online gaming. Oh, Halo Infinite! Huh? Halo, Halo Infinite has has hit has hit my Xbox, and I'm not gonna lie, I I have felt. And I think my friends that play with me can attest to this, like some actual anger while while playing this online video game, which may sound silly, but you know, we all have our things. And I think for me, the reason that I actually have these like moments of like real frustration and anger is somewhere deep down for the last 20 years, I've told myself that I'm a gamer and I'm good at this. <laughs> like, I, and then here's me like, you know, now in my late twenties, like not being as good as uh, I once was. Yeah. And so there's actually like an identity issue when it comes to Halo where I'm like, I should be really good <laughs> at this particular activity. And I know it seems silly, but I'm sure some people it's like sports, some people it's a different kind of performance oriented thing. But there is something in my identity that's tied up with video games. Just cause that's that's one of the pastimes that me and my buddies have had for, you know, twenty something years at this point. Yeah, last couple weeks, like the most notable points were, like I think I've definitely felt anger outside of it, but that is when I have like the most uncontrolled like actual <laughs> rage where I'm just like saying vulgar stuff <laughs> to be quite frank. And uh, yeah, so it, kind of a silly silly idea, but I think underneath the un- underneath the you know video games aspect of it is there is like this identity piece, and I feel like for me that's that's always a trigger is is something about my identity being threatened or my am i being 
what I can perceive to be unfairly delayed or unfairly, because uh, you know traffic's another classic example. I think I've actually conquered my road rage. Oh, by this age, which I'm like so happy about. I used to be such an impatient driver when I was younger, and then like something flipped like a few years back, where I was just like. If I leave with enough time, it doesn't really matter what traffic looks like. Imagine and I'll get that. there. Yeah, it's like I'll get there on time. It's, <laughs> I can just listen to a podcast or listen to music, and it's like I'll, I'll get there. It's going to be fine. So, and driving is fun. And driving can be fun. Yeah, it's just, it's nice when you, when you don't have that, like, oh, I'm five minutes late feeling all the time. Yeah. So, those are kind of like some funny surface level examples, but I think underneath them, there is. Um, I think definitely for me, a big trigger is this idea of like my self-perceived ideal of fairness. Like when I get mad at Halo, it's not like for me, it's, it feels unfair. It's not that I suck, but it, I say it can't it, be that exactly because it's like, it, it must be unfair because if it is, I suck, then I'm really mad at myself. <laughs> and then, then that is where my, my anger leads to despair. Uh-huh. Um, because this, this thing that I, I think is so important to me, I'm, I'm just not good at anymore. So yeah, I, I just think it's maybe some might consider it to be a slightly silly example, but it's the truth <laughs> for what, for whatever, for whatever that is for me. I don't know. What, what about you? It it is a very real example that that's something that I have very fond and also unfond memories of Halo and that's partly like like nowadays it's at Call of Duty too and it's just like I remember back in high school that was when I got a 360 I'm talking like junior year of high school oh, yeah. around 2008 so Halo three just come out. A golden era, really. World at War, Modern Warfare 2, I think was coming out probably like the year after that, Mm -hmm. give or take. Black Ops. And my, like you said, identity has a lot to do with it. My identity was, I'm really good at this and no one can tell me otherwise. And it's because like it puts you in this world where you're not who you really are and you're, you're able to create this like artificial worth of your video game character and it's like, yeah, look at my level. Look at all my XP. Look at all this stuff. Prestige. Yeah, look at my, my KD ratio. <laughs> I think nowadays for me, when it comes to video games, like I, I just don't play them as much anymore, in part because like I work full-time. I just don't have time to do it, which, honestly, thank God. <laughs> they bring joy, but they bring great rage. Well, you know, it's funny because, I mean, we have like, you know, the terminology is there. Like, and I, I know I'm not alone in this because in the midst of playing Halo, I've seen others rage quit yep. while I'm playing. You know, you're, you're losing really bad and you just see oh, so-and-so left, so-and-so left, you know. And so it's like, it's nice to know that I'm not alone out there. You know, rage quitting is still very much part of gamer culture, I feel like. And it feels fantastic when you're the one who makes them rage quit. Oh yeah, a hundred percent. If if you're winning so so hard that someone's just like, you know what, I'm not even gonna finish this game. Like, there's something utterly satisfying about that. But yet, you've now inflicted upon them this horrific feeling that you that you sometimes have. So yeah, there's some. We can talk about vengeance later, but uh, to me, that's kind of what it feels like. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. So like I was saying, like with video games nowadays being that I'm 29 and a half years old I just don't have the time for it and like with Call of Duty how it's sort of evolved into the whole war zone thing is like all the rage now all these battle royales where it's like okay if you're doing solos there's literally only one winner and 99 people are going to lose 
chances are you're going to lose and you know that going in and there's always going to be something funky that happens where like you're shooting a guy and like on your end it seems like you're lighting him up and it's like i hit him i hit him five times and then you get hit like twice and you die and then it's like what the heck but then it shows the, the replay and on his end he hits you like eight times and but it just doesn't register the internet yeah the lag but nowadays it's like with like i just don't play call of duty that much anymore i'm just more so into solo campaigns and i don't i don't play things on definitely way anymore. way more relaxing yeah just just cruising through it yeah wh- getting the story getting the good like mechanics of the game yeah and now that achievements and trophies and in, in video games don't matter to me i don't have any reason to play a campaign on veteran why waste my time why cause such why cause my blood to boil for something that literally doesn't matter so nowadays it's like the only things i play it's like i'll play 2k but i only do my career mode i don't play online against people because sports games online it's it's it they've always been finicky i'm sorry I've never found them to be like quality competitive games in my entire life. I guess FIFA's the one that's probably the biggest like worldwide, but uh, even then I I abhor FIFA when I'm playing someone online cuz people are so good at it. Yeah. There's lag involved. It's just like I don't need this. I just want to keep to myself. I don't really need to play video games against people anymore. Maybe I'll chime in from time to time, but other than that, forget it. It just causes rage when or it doesn't need to exist. With the the recent addition of Halo Infinite into your life and thinking about an instance where you got angry at it, in that moment, what did you do to mitigate that? How long how long after the, the anger began did it take for you to like exit your body and be like, Wait, what's happening right now? Why am I angry at angry at this? Honestly, probably now recording this. <laughs> Like, that's the thing is because you stay in the stimulus when it comes to games. Like, I feel like if I have a bad match, I need to make up for it. And because I'm angry, I don't play well. And so I just go down this downward spiral. And I know I'm self-aware that yeah. I'm like, you're not enjoying this seemingly. You're trying to, like, play better. But by trying to play better, you play worse. <laughs> like, you know, it's just I, I do not have that, like, calm, like, take a deep breath. Like, I, I, I actually do sometimes. But today I was just like... And I think it was the internet. My internet's been down. My internet was down all day yesterday, and it was Spotty Friday. So I was just excited to get on, play some Halo, mm-hmm. and then just get absolutely shredded <laughs> uh, a couple games in a row. And I was just like, "Screw this! Like, why am I even spending my time doing this?" But I, um, it is funny that I'll just kind of stay in that loop of frustration rather than just like, you know what? Maybe just put it down. Go uh, take a walk, come back later today or another time. And I think part of it is, you know, for me, it is still social. I don't necessarily feel the need to play games against people, but it, it is a chance for me to play with buddies that mm. I don't that don't necessarily live nearby. Like I've got a buddy in Nashville and, um, you know, my brother lives in St. Cloud. So, you know, it's like 45 hour hour away. So I don't I don't get to see him in person as much as we used to. And so if like, you know, and we all kind of work from home now. <laughs> Yeah. which is a whole different thing but um uh, you know just you know four o'clock five o'clock rolls around it's like oh hey let's all hop on and do this thing like i would rather spend that time with them but i quickly lose sight of oh i'm doing this to connect with my friend and my brother and more just like we're screaming at each other like yeah. pick up the stupid thing you know just yeah. like why aren't you doing what you're supposed to do yeah uh, it, 
there's still camaraderie in there somewhere, but yeah, it def- we definitely have better days and we have not so good days. But I feel like you could say the same thing for like anything competitive. I feel like sports, I mean, I, I'm sure you have potentially something to share there. You're more sporting I than I am. But um, yeah, I, I think anything competitive where you're kind of putting your perceived worth up against other people, I think is a source of a lot of anger for people. Yeah, so I guess on that topic, this past Saturday was the first time that I played volleyball in probably like nine months. Last time I played it, I rage quit. I was like, I'm absolutely done with this game. And part of this goes into, like with sports specifically, like volleyball is one where comparing myself to like our friend group who plays, I feel like I'm like towards the top of like, the volleyball skill or what I'm capable of. Whereas like if, if you're putting me in the Olympics with other guys, it's like not even going to be a discussion, but it's like, I think based on this group, I'm one of the better players here. And when that thought crosses my mind, that's when like the hyper competitiveness in me, the, that switch flicks because it's something that I'm convinced there's no reason I shouldn't win this given how confident I am in my abilities in it. And if I don't win, especially with volleyball, where it's like they might not hit the ball to you. It, like you can go... Yeah, it's a team sport. It's, but, not, it's not all in one person's hands ever. Yeah, and it's like the person serving it on the other team, maybe they're having a great round and they just hit like five straight aces. And it's like, but you're not even in a spot where you're the person that they would be hitting it to. So you literally, you're helpless and you just see your, your team losing and you're... You, have, you can't do anything about it. But yeah, as a team sport, it's like, all right, well, then there's some people who will come out and like we just play it recreationally, but not everyone has the same sense of competition that I do. And so there's some people who show up to just be like, oh, this is a fun thing to do. We just kind of fool around on a Saturday morning. We're with I friends. get to touch the ball. Yeah, but I also have no idea what I'm doing and that kind of thing. Whereas, so you have like that mixture and it's like this person's on my team and they have no idea what they're doing and don't really seem to want to figure out how to do this game or how to play this game. And I'm just standing there stewing because they're incompetent at it. And it's like, what did you come out here for? And it's like, well, yeah, well, not everyone came out here for the same reason you did, Connor. Calm down. And amen to that. And so that that's something where like this past Saturday I went out and I was like, okay, let me try and go out here. And I say this, like even back in the day where it's like, all right, let me go out here. Let me realize why I'm out here. Let me calm, uh, calm down, not be super competitive. And it's like, I can say that a lot of times, but I mean, if push comes to shove, the, the competition level in me is probably going to turn on. If it's a close game, if it's 19 to 19 and, like we've and I've lost two games in a row and it's like I can't lose a third this is I I can't be coming out here wasting my my time losing games and so it's like it's such a stupid thing but I think for me and I think like over this past year that's something where like I've kind of just stopped playing sports altogether over the past several months was because I noticed like really what I'll play is volleyball and basketball Mm -hmm. two things where like, I feel like I'm better at volleyball than I am at basketball. But then sometimes with basketball, 
no, like nothing's going your way. You're getting good looks. The ball's just not going in. It's really frustrating. You're blowing layups. It's like, how old am I <laughs> that that I can't make a layup? So I just like those two things that I would play religiously over the past several months. I was just like, I'm not doing this anymore. It's it's bringing me nothing but anger. But then the question is, is it really the sport that is bringing me the anger or is there something rooted inside of me that is doing that? That's a great question to ask. I, I think, you know, no matter what it is, whether it's Halo or volleyball or basketball or traffic, you know, I, I, I always think, you know, one thing, I don't know if we talked about this last episode when it came to sadness, but one thing I think for sure with anger and, and I think what we perceive to be negative emotions, really all emotions is like, to me, emotions in and of themselves are kind of innocuous. Like to, to maybe say ones are, some are good, some are bad. I don't even necessarily want to like flavor them that way, but I consider like emotions are like signposts that something else is happening. Yeah. Like I'm having a reaction emotionally, which tells me something about my identity or my you know perception of what my reality is is like being threatened mm-hmm. or is like super lining up like if we talk about happiness and elation it's like wow like this is what i would like perceive to be my happy place like this is awesome but i think when it comes to anger i can see how it's really frustrating when you're cut off in traffic but i think a lot of people just get stuck in traffic and they get like really frustrated but for me it was never like oh i'm frustrated because my car is moving slow it was i'm frustrated because i'm late and I feel like I'm going to let the people that I'm meeting down by mm-hmm. not being late. Or they're going to think like, oh, he's not reliable or dependable to get here on time. So me, I'm, I'm blaming the exterior stimulus, which is, oh, the traffic. Like I have to find something to blame or else that's true about me. Like I'm not dependable. I'm not on time. Mm-hmm. I wasn't prepared. Like there's so many things that like I think anger especially comes up where it's like it's a self-defense emotion a lot of the time. Of like, I don't want someone to think that this is my fault, so I'm going to be mad. (laughs) On the topic of like showing up late to things, like people who constantly do that, I was listening to a podcast a couple weeks ago and they brought up that specific thing. And it's like, it's not like those people who are reliably late are doing it to be bad people or to like be defined or something like that. It's typically those people are also people who tend to see like the best in other people and the best in situations so they don't necessarily game plan of like all right realistically how long is it going to take me to get there what if x y and z happens along the way they're just they're they're sort of like blissful about oh i can i can get there if i leave at this time but they can't but they're just optimistic about it and so it's interesting <laughs> yeah but and so it's like but that tells something about their character that they're just they just they see the best in in other people when sometimes that's not warranted like sometimes like they they okay okay they're sort I'm of tracking. Like separated from reality of oh this is great this is great this is great yeah i can for sure do that they're not totally grasping like all right but yeah that that's great that you think that you can do this but really can you do this just think about it for a minute like are you able to get are you able to do go from here to there do this for like how long is it going to take you when you're there to do what you're going to do and then you need to come back and do that and then you also need to get gas along the way and then before you come up here and it's like all right well plan all that out but they just don't do that so what it's you're not telling me is i'm i'm a 
pessimist because <laughs> I basically I'm think, punctual. As soon as yeah, I'm a pes- I'm a punctual pessimist because usually when some when I make a plan, I think of what are all the things that could go wrong? <laughs> like what could keep me from like doing this or like should I just say no because I'm not confident that I can make all this out? Like I'm it's not necessarily I I never really viewed it as optimism or pessimism. I always saw, you know, I think pessimists like to say we're realists. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm going to deal with this broken ass world as it is. Uh-huh. And it's like what if I hit every red light? Like I really need to leave like thirty minutes ahead of time, yeah, to to get where I'm going. Whereas I think what you're saying is this optimist is like, well, if I left ten minutes before and I, you know, hit every light and there's no traffic on I four, which is unrealistic, uh-huh. but if you think that way, it's like, oh, I've done it. Clearly, I can do it again, and it's like so out of your control, <laughs> and then you're late. <laughs> Like, I think that's how I used to operate is I'm just like, man, if I just catch every green light and just get on the uh-huh. I-4 and there's no traffic and all this stuff, I can get there in 10 minutes and it's just like, no. <laughs> yeah. And that's, I mean, I would say there is a level of pessimism. There, it, it is, it's not incorrect to say that in situations like that, that you're a realist because all you're doing is you're just really, you're factoring in realistically what could happen. Not like acts of God, you're not factoring those in, where like, what if this tree falls and or this semi overturns and blocks all of eastbound I-4? And so you're not pessimistic in that regard, but it's, I mean, this is why, like, I've always thought I would be like a really good, like, event planner. Yeah. <laughs> it's not what, what's the worst that could happen, it's what might probably happen. <laughs> yeah. And so with things that, I, I have on my schedule that are weeks or months down the road. I'm already thinking about when that when the day comes, what exactly do I need to be doing that day in order to make sure that I can make that thing happen? And I'm I'm like game planning so far in advance to where it's like, why are you thinking about it? It's so dumb to do it, but but in my mind, the second I'm invited to something like two weeks away, I need I need to immediately figure this out now so I don't have to do it then and then after I do that, then I can move on with my life, which is like a weird way to operate. And now a lot of people operate that way. But I'm an engineer and I'm a five on the Enneagram. I need to factor in every single thing. So that way, if something happens, I can say I did my due diligence. This is not on me. Aim into that. As a fellow five, I feel that <laughs> dr- deeply. <laughs> Which, for those of you who are not familiar with the Enneagram, great tool, wonderful. Apparently, it's been around for thousands of years. But um, the five is kind of considered the investigator, or um, is there something else they call it? I don't. I don't. Know. I think it's called the investigator um, in most circles. But one thing on being a five that I feel like, where there's a common thread between us, and this is definitely where a lot of a lot of my negative emotions come from, is like our our basic fear at least according to, I think, the Enneagram Institute, if I'm recalling correctly, the basic fear of the five is being incompetent or being seen as incompetent. Uh And, like, that can, like, absolutely paralyze me. And then if I'm put in a situation where, like, I'm not familiar or I'm not, like, able to, like, okay, being a new husband, this has totally hit me in a thousand different ways (laughs) because there's so many things where it's like, oh, hey, can you hang those shelves? I'm like, oh, God, I've never really hung shelves before. Like I should be able to do this, but I like I I'm like I have to watch five YouTube videos so I don't look like an idiot when I go to do this. Yeah. And but like that's the fear is like if I don't over prepare and I don't think through every little thing that I need to do that way, then it's like 
I'm going to feel like an idiot and I'm going to feel like I'm not worthy if I come across as incompetent. And so I, I think that that is a lot of my anger is like I put myself in a situation where I'm going to look like a fool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I'm not living up to whatever that expectation is. <laughs> yeah. On that topic of looking incompetent, it's even with things that I'm 100% sure I know how to do, but it might be something that I like I never do, but I I know how to I would know how to do it if it happens. Like if I needed to help someone jump start their battery. I know full well how to do that. But frankly, I've never actually had to do it. I've been asked a few times and then it turned out that like I would just wasn't able to like I personally couldn't do it at the moment or they're like actually wait hang on my roommate just got home they'll they'll help me so just something would come up where i don't actually have to do it but whenever someone like texts or calls me about that i think about like all right well let me just review one more time okay red dead red live black live black on exposed metal of the somewhere and it's like grounding yeah, yeah and i know that but i just but being that it's not something that I do every single day, I'm afraid that if I show up and they're relying on me to to help them and I show up and I just like mess up and the cars explode and something like that. <laughs> the happens. cars explode. <laughs> yeah. Michael Bay's version of a <laughs> of a jumped car, just explosions <laughs> everywhere. Yeah. But then I'll look like a fool. And, and especially if it's like if it's a, a girl who asked me to do that. Oh, yeah, for sure. Because we, we, we highly value female opinions as men. Yeah, especially as a single man, where it's like, all right, now's my time. Now's my time I, to I have to prove my worth as a potential mate here. <laughs> right. Kind of going back to, to talking about sports, I think with me, me specifically, like over the course of my life, when sort of where that hyper sense of competition comes from has a lot to do with the fact that I'm the youngest of all my brothers and the closest ones in age are twins and they're seven and a half years older than me. The other one's 11 and a half years older. So to put that in perspective, what that meant is when I was entering middle school, all of my brothers had were had graduated high school by that point. They were well on their way. So what that would mean is like playing video games against them when I'm a kid or like shooting baskets in the in the driveway. I would lose every single time solely because of how young I was and how, how much older they were. So there's like, the only way I would win is if they clearly let me win. So I think that instilled a sense of like, okay, I'm tired of losing at this. So with volleyball, basketball, video games, I need to prove myself to everyone who, by the way, has no idea what has gone on in my life with with competition. And yet I think that they know that, but they don't. I don't need to prove how good I am at volleyball to my peers. Because in one sense, who what, cares? Who cares? <laughs> you know, it's like we're we're a bunch of guys in our in ladies in our late twenties playing a recreational game. Yeah, like it's one thing if you're in like a league and it's like oh, there's you know stuff up for grabs. And I think honestly, with the sports thing, that's where I found a lot of freedom. Was like I'm like, who am I playing this for? Like I'm playing this to be with my friends and in community and get some exercise. I'm not like I need to win. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but I, I enjoy winning. Like, there certainly was, like, oh, this is more fun when I'm winning. Um, and I would still have frustration that came up during sporting, um, like, events and stuff like that. But I think for me, like, outdoor sports were never as closely tied to my identity. And therefore, like, that, that's why I didn't get, you know, like, as triggered when we're getting just 
absolutely slaughtered in a volleyball <laughs> match, you know? Yeah. But sorry, continue. I guess my, my thought is like, because I grew up losing all the time to my brothers, one of my idols is winning. I place so much of my self-worth in that, that I lose the idea that I know I'm not defined by how good or bad I am at a sport or the result of that sport if I am good at it and if it's a negative result. I know I'm not defined by that. I know I'm solely defined by my identity in Christ, but that doesn't make the pain that I feel when I lose not real. Yeah, I can see that. And and so a lot of anger is built into, I guess, losing particularly because it's. I feel like it's a trend over my life. And so then if I lose, that's something that I feel like I'm good at. I go home angry because in my mind, I am seen as a failure by those who, who saw me lose when I know they don't see me that way. Mm-hmm. And that goes into like feeding into lies about yourself and not letting Satan have a foothold and so it's just really frustrating. So over your life, video games aside, when do you see yourself most commonly becoming angry? I want to challenge, I think, kind of the idea that anger is what we would consider a negative emotion. I feel like a lot of people look at it that way. I was going to get into this. Yeah. I, I really think it's important because there are things that I've probably been angry about in my life that like it was probably a really good reaction that I'm angry. Like and even looking at it from a biblical perspective and. The word, the the phrase I always use for this is righteous indignation. Yep. Like there is, you know, if if you're bold enough, and I'm one of the people that would claim this, to say that there's absolute truth in the universe. I agree. And to say that there are, you know, virtues and values that are worth fighting for and are worth championing, to see those things threatened and or you know trampled on or you know put down like just like injustice in the world Um, not to say that i am some great champion of all things but like when i see unjust things like i'm angry like when i was in the third grade and 9 11 happened like i was mad i was a child i was scared i didn't understand necessarily all the things that went into that but like i know that i was angry because i'm like why did this happen and you know like when my dad passed a few years ago like I was angry because I didn't understand and also scared. I think that's like a recurring theme is when I get fearful, it's usually because I feel like I've lost control. And so I'm angry at the circumstance for like taking my sense of control away. Yet it always was that. It's just a sense of control. Mm -hmm. Like very rarely do we really have as much together as we perceive that we have together. There's a lot. And we talked about this in episode one where it's like, I think that like certain things like my parents being around is never going to change well we all have that hard moment where it will change eventually whether that's like very nicely at the end of life naturally or like sometimes suddenly and in ways that you don't expect and so yeah definitely in those moments of like loss of control my normal is being threatened even like the last couple years with covid i've been angry at like (laughs) I've got to get a vaccine or like being told I have to get a vaccine or like not to get super political about it, but just like, uh, yeah, it's like, yeah, you don't have control over your life anymore. Like people try to tell you that you don't have control over your life anymore. Like Mm -hmm. there's these things outside of you that are, that are kind of invading your locus of control. And, um, I think for me that, and also kind of with the competence thing, like I can only trust as far as I can control the situation. Well, I just don't have that much control. (laughs) 
<laughs> so um, I, I would say that's definitely kind of a recurring theme in my life is definitely fear, um, definitely loss of control in those moments. And, and just seeing things that I consider to be good and beautiful and truthful in the world being threatened or put down or like even bullying. I was a huge and like I think there was definitely in middle school I took on some qualities of being a bully for like a little bit and I just really disliked how that made me feel. But then, like, on the opposite side of that, like, I just couldn't stand to see, like, people put down, like, what's funny is, like, I think my siblings would always get mad at me because I was such a peacemaker as a middle child, where it's like, you always take everyone else's side, like, you never let us just, like, like, even at the dinner table, it's like, they're complaining about somebody, I'm like, well, have you thought about, like, how they, (laughs) you know, just, like, it was just silly stuff, but they would always be mad at me because it's like, you know you know it's like you're always taking everyone's side they always thought i should be like a defense attorney because i'm i always had an argument for everything of like you know don't don't put people down don't like you know tear people apart and all that stuff and yeah so i'd say those are kind of some of my big sticking points is like especially when it comes to like the truth and the justice of the world like i i i recognize that i can value it and there's things i should be angry at but ultimately um, I have to like trust that the Lord's justice is greater than my own in a lot of a lot of senses. Um, kind of makes me think of like Batman Begins, where he's talking about his desire for justice, and uh, Rachel's telling him, you know, it's like you just want vengeance, not justice. Those aren't the same mm-hmm. things. And yeah, I just think there's a lot of interesting parallels when it comes to to anger and and whether it's a good emotion, bad emotion, or if it really just is like a um, you know flag to show you that something's something's off somewhere. Yeah, that that is something that that was the other point I was going to bring up was the idea that anger is not always a negative emotion. There is such a thing as righteous indignation, as you were saying, and and it occurs a lot of times in the Bible. One instance is when Jesus goes into the temple and sees that they've turned it into like a flea market and there's thievery going on and all this kind of stuff. And so he starts flipping the tables and he's basically say like you, you've turned my my father's home into a den of thieves and so he's angry in that moment rightfully so and that is something where it is possible to have to to initially go into something with righteous indignation but then take it too far and to where it's like all right well you kind of you crossed the line but anger is not always a negative emotion there is such a thing as righteous indignation and a lot of that, I think, would most often manifest itself when you perceive injustice, like you were saying. Where So to answer my original question, like over my life, where I see anger manifesting itself most commonly, I think over the past several years, outside of like competitions and that kind of thing, it's most often in like the political realm when abortion comes up and like how some people treat it as like, like they're proud to get an abortion. And it's just like, what are you talking about like and so i get like this this anger about have you no value just human life is so simple but to just toss it away as like oh this is a clump of cells and that kind of thing where where it's like no 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 that's that's not right and to see how many millions of babies are killed as a result of this and it's and and so i i think about like well yeah this is exactly why god says not to have sex outside of marriage is because it's 
to avoid situations like this, to, to avoid un, unforeseen pregnancies where two people have sex and then it's like, okay, well, the woman gets pregnant, but they weren't necessarily in a place where they're, where they're ready for that to happen. And yeah, so maybe God knew what he was talking about when he said, don't do this outside of marriage. And it's, this can all be avoided. And like, that's, that's something that like makes me angry. It's just devalued life at its simplest form. And it's like the most helpless of us all is mm-hmm. a, a, an unborn baby who can't even like speak for itself. That is what most stirs me. And I, I perceive that as like a huge injustice. And then what will really make me angry is also media coverage of current events and their attempts to spin it in, in an effort and like clear efforts to try and divide the country, particularly along racial lines, because it's like that is the easiest line to divide us along because it's like you and I sort of look alike. All right. Well, we're on the same team. It's like, no, 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 no. If if you were black and I'm white and I look at you and it's like, well, I know nothing about you other than you're black so that means i can i can draw whatever inferences i want so long as the media keeps spouting things over and over again that it's like okay well if you just say it over and over again eventually it's gonna be said so much that people are just gonna be like well yeah that must be true they keep they keep saying it and it's like well no no it's like no 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 don't listen to this like don't let the media just like have their way because ultimately they're in a business where they just want people to watch them yeah, it, it's a ratings. It's a ratings game. It boils down to that. They're, they're under no obligation to tell you what is really happening. They're under no obligation to do anything other than make money and entertain you. Yeah, fear keep you engaged. Yeah, fear sells. If if they want to create a sense of panic over something, unfortunately, they're in a position where they're broadcasting what they want to say to millions of people who might not be educated enough to know like when they're just lying to you and then you see that manifest itself like in like all right well how's the country now operating germany is locking down unvaccinated people and they're like well you can't you can't work can't do anything you can't go to anything that's not essential until you get the vaccine and it's like well is what's going on really that bad that that's the step that needs to be taken is to like strip people of of their freedoms what science are you following to suggest that that is like what needs to be done? And but that all boils down to like, all right, well, here's this message that's being sent out into the world, and everyone needs to be afraid of of X, Y, and Z. The sky is falling, et cetera, et cetera. And it's like, is it really? <laughs> but yeah, if, if it, I have to go through a whole another year of different news cycles on such and such a variant is now announced, I'm like, I think we're all fatigued <laughs> by it personally speaking for myself at the very least oh, yeah. and it's like i don't i don't think we need to politicize it of like if you want a vaccine go get one if you don't want one sure you i shouldn't <laughs> i shouldn't be forced into house arrest <laughs> um, yeah and, and so i i definitely think that i think it delves pretty deep into political lines but i i, I definitely think what you're saying in regards to what you're boiling down the, the media thing to is like propaganda here's a story 100%. it's not necessarily true but it sells and we can keep coming back to it and um like i i think you know when it comes down to this idea of righteous indignation or feeling like i'm justifiably angry everyone's justifiably angry when they feel like they're being lied to yeah and some people feel that way when they watch one news channel some people feel like that when they watch another one some people feel like that when they watch any of them (laughs) Uh, (laughs) which i feel like is a growing minority but (laughs) yeah quickly becoming a larger amount of uh people who just don't trust corporate media anymore because they see how divisive it's become and and to know that there's like oh there's like 
it's like there's not two sides it's like there's like six sides to every story now and and everyone has their own interpretation of it in light of kind of like what they identify with and all that jazz so Mm -hmm. like i think what what at the heart of it though is like murder is wrong and we have to like wrestle with with those kinds of moral questions like lying is wrong like there's certain things that we've accepted generally as society but it's now get gotten to the nuances of like okay well what what constitutes this and what constitutes that and certain people will be certainly more angry depending on how they define those values or like like you said like the the question of is it a child like that is something that is hotly debated and that's unfortunate like why we why we wouldn't err on the side of life in that scenario is is a little beyond me personally but at the same time like 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 you're talking about in germany where, where people's you know freedoms are being taken away like there is a perceived freedom of autonomous uh, autonomy for your body that is a right that people consider and then you know we get to what you talked about like the chicken and the egg problem of like is there a set of ethics and morals that would eliminate this possibility before mm-hmm. we even had to make these incredibly difficult decisions yeah i think that's a whole nother set of circumstances but I definitely think that, yeah, there's plenty there that could spur anger and certainly has. Like, you know, you turn on the news and, and the, these are the things that people are getting riled up about. So I think one, one thing that kind of runs through each of those topics um, at some level that I think is an idol for us in the West and our kind of radically individual society now is is the the idol of what we perceive to be freedom whether it's like bodily freedom or political freedom freedom of movement there's a lot of things that we take for granted in the united states that are like new is from like an anthropological standpoint of like oh yeah you have a bill of rights like there's certain things the government can't do to you (laughs) like you're 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 born with these like you can't have this stripped from you that is you know still relatively and i always take like kind of a long view of history and say like yeah that's that's pretty new maybe it's not new maybe it's always been there but our recognition of it is new um and and all the the difficulty and uh nuance that comes with like you know structuring society around people that have freedom is hard like Mm -hmm. it's not an easy thing to do like certainly autocracy is an easier way (laughs) to to organize society but you you lose that freedom aspects and i think a lot of a lot of people have kind of put freedom as that pedestal of you can't tell me what to do and I can do whatever I want to do. And I think that um, Tim Keller puts it really well when he says, uh, I think it's, I think it's him is that true freedom is not a lack of restraint. True freedom comes from choosing the right restraints, Mm -hmm. Um, which I think is true. Like we all agree on that socially when we pass laws because we're all agreeing, you know, at least through our representative form of democracy the people that represent us have all agreed that this is a good way for us to govern ourselves and we can change it later if we need to. And so I think that that is a good thing to kind of recognize that this is kind of universally accepted that we all accept restraint at some level. Yeah. It's determining what, which of those restraints are good and which ones are not. And ultimately a lot of people feel threatened when someone's going to say you have the right to do this or you don't have the right to do that. To that point of restraint, it's like, you can do literally anything your body is capable of doing. Is that freedom, though? Like, okay, you're certainly not free from consequence. Yeah, uh, just to, I guess put a bow in the whole United States concept. Concept is what makes me angry is like seeing people who are who are willing to give up their own freedoms and to like 
give it all back to government. It's like the founding fathers would be rolling in their graves. They literally blew people's heads off over taxes. <laughs> it's like, whoa, whoa, before you're so quick to give up your basic freedoms of like being able to go to a restaurant or what name it, honestly, to see people give that up back to government because the government says we're taking this from you and, and to not just at least cause a stir and be like, whoa, no, you're not. That like that's something that is recently has been giving me like a lot of anger is just like you're free. Mm-hmm. Act like it. Like we don't don't regress into history anyway. <laughs> so well, I was gonna say maybe maybe we put some of the biblical frame on this and and talk about kind of where anger sits in in scripture. Yeah. So I, I've pulled up a few verses here. So here we go. Psalm thirty-seven eight. Refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not yourself. It tends only to evil. Psalm one hundred three eight. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Proverbs 14, 29, whoever is slow to anger has great understanding, but he who has a hasty temper exalts folly. Proverbs 19, 11, good sense makes one slow to anger, and it is his glory to overlook an offense. Ecclesiastes 7, 9, be not quick in your spirit to become angry, for anger lodges in the bosom of fools. James 1, 19 and 20, Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. And Ephesians four twenty six and 27, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. A theme here seems to be slow to anger. Slow to anger. Temperance. Not being temperamental. <laughs> a, a lot of those verses are, they're not saying do not ever be angry, but it, don't immediately jump to it, especially when it's like, well, all right, well, let me pull myself back from the situation. What's really going on here? Is this something that truly warrants being angry about? God is slow to anger. It's similar to like how a parent is supposed to operate where it is, it's quite all right to be angry at your kids provided they're doing something that is like putting themselves in danger or, or other people in danger. And it's like completely reckless, but, and then it's like, so the, the anger coming from the parents on that end is because it's not because they're, they have no business being angry at it, but it's like that anger is coming out of love of like, look what you're doing to yourself or, or to other people. And I love you. And you're, you're putting yourself in a position where like you could be killed or, or go to jail or something like that, where yeah, that would be something that momentarily would be okay being angry with the person over because that is, it is a righteous anger. It's coming entirely out of love for the person. And it, you're, you're kind of just like trying to like shake them awake and be like, what are you doing? But what, what they're getting at is like, don't get angry over video games. Don't get angry over volleyball. Don't, don't get angry over something that's stupid. It's like, be slow to anger, but it doesn't mean it's, that doesn't mean anger is necessarily always a bad thing. Yeah, no, I'd agree. And I think, you know, one of the things is, you know, it usually talks about anger kind of in like this human selfish sense, which I would agree, like we should not, like, I think, I think what scripture outlines is that there's fewer instances than we probably choose to be angry that are kind of like an acceptable <laughs> level of anger. And that's why I think that there's kind of this call to, to be slow to anger, because I do think there's... I think a strong inclination to temper anger because it is, I think one of the most impulsive emotions mm-hmm. in the sense of when I'm like, usually when we're sad, like that can lead to anger, but when we're sad, we usually like withdraw ourselves. It's not great, but it's like, usually, you know, that, that brings us kind of like very rarely do I take my, I feel like I'm taking my sadness out on other people. 
yeah. but like my anger like if, if it's truly like unbridled and i would say like unbridled anger is like rage where it's yeah. just like you've lost sense like that's not good like that's not healthy that's you know you're you're completely condemning yourself to the consequences of whatever actions come next and usually they're not good mm-hmm. so i think like the cool thing about the verses you chose like a lot of them come out of like proverbs where it's like this is a book of compiled wisdom where it's like yeah. follow follow these ideas and they will generally serve you very well and this idea of being slow to anger is like am i being triggered to action prematurely am i not fully considering what the consequences are am i not acting with a heart of love and mercy even though i have a feeling of anger even though I feel the anger, again, it's kind of like, for me, it's like that signpost of like, okay, something may, maybe isn't right here, but is the is the correct response to be angry and have that like visceral reaction that anger demands? Or, you know, you can even look at the full gospel story of like, we deserve God's wrath, but instead of that, he sends Christ. Yeah. It's like, this is what you deserve. <laughs> here's what I'm going to give you instead. And it's full of grace and mercy and doesn't negate the fact that there's a situation that demands anger and justice and in a lot of ways wrath. But I think, I think scripture highlights that ultimately God is the one who decides what is just and what is right truly. And we, we merely reflect that. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I, I definitely think, you know, especially looking at the ministry of Jesus, like, we, we can always look at the money changers in the temples and be like, yeah, he did get angry. Like, there certainly were moments he was angry. He was human and God all in one. Yet, there's very few other places we can find him be that way. We find him usually very patient, very merciful, mm-hmm. uh, you know, very much bearing with people and people that he disagreed with, too. Like, I think that's that's kind of a big theme there is, you know, he's constantly in these arguments and fights, you know, fights more or less arguments with like the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the other religious leaders at the time. And you don't, you don't, you don't see him have those outbursts when, cause he's, he's seeking for, for people to be enlightened and understand. And it comes so much better from a position and disposition of like mercy and grace and, and love. Like that's the motivation. It's not coming out of a place of anger. Like he didn't come here ticked off. Yeah. <laughs> he came here to save and ultimately he he was that instrument of justice so yeah and i think there's also something to be said about like if you're in a situation where you're around people and they expect you to have a reaction to something that is anger but instead of that your reaction is very calm and measured it speaks volumes it's like totally against the grain of what culture would dictate like how you react how someone should react to a certain thing and it's almost like whoa Look at this. He's look how calm he is about this. A lot of what Jesus did when he's talking to Pharisees and Sadducees is he could just be like, "You guys are idiots," because he, he knows when he was talking to them. Ultimately, he wasn't changing their hearts, but it was always around other people who were watching, knowing like, "Okay, I'm physically speaking to this person, but really, I'm speaking to these people through the words I'm saying to this person and and how I'm saying it." Like you're saying, we deserve God's wrath. We deserve the full extent of it because man is fallen, man is sinful, God is perfect, and there's no way that, but because we are created by God to be in a relationship with him, and whether 
both parties want this to happen because of what man has done over time and introducing sin into the world that even if we want to get to God, there's no possible way because he exists on this plane of perfection that us as imperfect beings, it's, it's completely unattainable. And I think of it like, okay, if I wanted to swim from Florida to the United Kingdom, pretty unattainable, pretty unattainable. It's like, I'll, all right, here I go. I'm going to give it my best shot. And probably like half a mile in, I'll pass away. <laughs> I'm just exhausted. Especially off the coast of Florida, you know, sharks and such. Yeah. And it's like, even if there weren't sharks, but it's like there are waves, there might be a storm. And also it's thousands of miles of swimming. You're not going to do it. But even the best <laughs> swimmer, like if Michael Phelps was going to give it a go, he could probably get further than I could, but he's going to fail and die because it's impossible. It's probably my favorite analogy for living up to the the perfection the righteousness of god <laughs> try swimming from florida to the uk <laughs> yeah you can't <laughs> yeah but that is emblematic of like how far removed from god we are in terms of because of our sin it has put us on this plane where it's impossible not, not one person can ever do this not even the best person that's why the gospel has nothing to do with how good or bad you are or how many great things you've done in your life doesn't matter because ultimately everyone falls short of the glory of God. But it has everything to do with what Jesus did on the cross because he lived a life we were supposed to live and he died the death we deserve to die. And because of that, he now offers us a ticket on a plane to go from Florida to the UK. Much better than swimming. Sounds fantastic. I can I can get on and take a nap. I can, this is like Concorde, like business <laughs> class plane. This is nice. Put your feet up. Yeah. Air Emirates. You're <laughs> yeah, just, exactly. <laughs> you have your own pod. Yeah, TV. and that, But then that's what's crazy about it is like, really, it's that simple? Yeah, it is. It is that simple. It's He's offering us a ticket. It's already paid for. It's, it's first class. And this is the only way to do it. The only way to get there. It's like, do you want this ticket? Yeah, I'll take the ticket. It's like, are you willing to accept me as your pilot? Yeah, I can do that. It's like, okay, cool. Oh, that's it. Are you, are you willing to accept that there's no possible way you can swim there on your own? Yes. Yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> I accept this. I accept yeah. accept this very obvious reality. Yeah. But there you go. It's like, we don't deserve the ticket on that plane. We deserve to try and swim that on our own and, and die in the process. But because God is slow to anger, because he desires to have that relationship with us, and he desires that so much and loves us so much that he knows the only way for this to happen is if he makes it happen. And if he comes to us and bridges that gap and, and takes us there. And that's what he did when Jesus came to earth, lived like a person. So it, it, God is not removed from us. He, it's not like he doesn't care. He's incarnate. Yeah. Yeah. He physically lived as a person on earth and didn't have to do that, but did that solely because he loved us and desired that relationship with us. So that is our encouragement to you. If, if you don't know Jesus... There's the gospel. And we're accepting standbys right now. Yeah. there's. If you're in the terminal and you're looking to get a first class flight on Emirates. There's a whole lot of standby seats. Yeah. But yeah, so the end. (laughs) Thanks for joining us. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Always appreciate this opportunity to kind of chat about how these emotions have manifested in our lives. And honestly, uh, where where biblical truth has uh, some rays of light to shed on it. So thanks for hosting, Connor. Appreciate you. Uh, yeah, and and if you do play volleyball with me after you see this, please remind me of episode two before I start playing, just in case. See ya. See ya.